All right, good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well and hope you're staying cool. Yeah, that's what I said. Because <laughs> it's uh, those triple digits are pushing hard, and I think the summer is here to stay. I know we had that kind of weird weather a few weeks ago. That was nice. I think that was a bonus, but I think we are in it, uh, and I think we're going to be there for a while. So if you're okay with uh, extreme heat for the next, say, three Three and a half months, I promise you we'll get to the gorgeous weather after that. That's what I love about this city, Las Vegas. So um, how many have been out and hanging out? Any pool? Anybody got a pool? I see you're not raising your hand. You know what I'm doing here, right? Okay, that's, that's smart. That's smart. Okay, but uh, I'll find you. But thank you for coming. All right, so we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Uh, We're going to get into this. Um, You know, the Holy Spirit um, is one of the three persons of the Godhead. And somehow, the Holy Spirit just doesn't get the same kind of attention and appreciation. Uh, We're going to get into this. But before I do, I want to introduce you to the newest member of our family. This is Ozzy. Some of you met Ozzy um, maybe a couple of months ago at our... um, our, uh, Volunteers appreciation, and so we brought him to the park, and so here he is at 10 weeks, uh, and he's been, uh, you know, you know, dogs, we were talking upstairs, dogs are like kids, and so as rewarding as they are, they also have uh, issues, and so when I drove to California, uh, it was a one-day drive, I mean, this came through the wire, me and my wife said, oh, if he's, if he's still around, you know, we'll... We'll, we'll go pick him up. And so we said, we'll give it to the end of the week. Probably a day or two later, I was in the car <laughs> on the way to Cali just to, just to go check this guy out. And so I uh, went and met him and found out that the owner who had him before me, uh, before us, uh, kept him in the house, never let him outside. And so I noticed that when he got to the door or we tried to call him outside, he just wouldn't go. He's like, I'm an inside dog. This is my house. And so they just trained him to use the bathroom on the, um, you know, on the training pads, and which is, you know, that's cool. And so, uh, and then, but I noticed he was very sheltered and he was a little, you know, timid. And so I, I thought, man, oh, this is, it's probably going to be challenging. But he was such a good looking dog and, you know, he warmed up to me after like, you know, 15 minutes. And then uh, they said, yeah, I said, I'll, you know, we'll take him. So we brought him home. Um, and there's been some challenges uh, potty training him. So he's basically potty trained, but he still has accidents. And if you have pets, you know that pets have accidents. Sometimes we don't get home in time, and he's in the house for an extended time. And so it's one thing for a chihuahua to have an accident. But it's another thing for this guy, because if you show the next picture, this is him now. So this picture was taken uh, probably about a month, about a month ago. And so this is, from the first picture you saw, this is about three months later. <laughs> so that's him now. So now you know what I'm talking about by accidents. When there's an accident, it's like an ordeal in my house. <laughs> We're like rock, paper, scissors, who's cleaning this up? You know, and so, but for the most part, he's good. And so, but you know, for me, it was a little bit hard to really accept him because I was always upset. You know, I'd come home and I'd smell something. I'd come home and I'd step in something. You know, and so, but you know what he did? He started, you know, you know, warming up to me. In the beginning, he always had his tail kind of between his legs. He's scared of everything. A truck goes by and he's barking. He's, he runs to his cage and, you know, that kind of frustrated me. You know, so he, he's got a, a very 
kind, gentle personality, zero aggression, which I love, but he's got a gigantic bark, which I love even more. And so, um, but I'm the only one home in the daytime. And so I'll be at the table and I'm studying and, and he camps at my feet for hours, just stays there. And in the wintertime, it's nice because he's warm, you know, I can, and he's my footrest. And so, you know, he's really grown on me. And I could tell he was trying to make an effort because he had no choice. Everybody else was in school and at work and I was the only one home. And so I controlled the water and the food. And so he kind of warmed up to me. But you know what? We started to form this bond. And, you know, and I was like, you know, I don't want to get too close to this dog but it started working, and now he is a member of our family. Our whole family loves him, you know, accepts him, and so, but I want to talk to you today about bonding. I bring that up to make a point, and that's that God really wants to bond with you. He doesn't want you just to know him, to know about him. He wants you to draw close to him and to be one with him. As a dad, I have two young men in my house. One is his first year in college. The other one is now behind the wheel. And I'm like, where is time going? But you know what I want most for my kids? Not to be good Christians. Not to, you know, just have a Christian worldview. Not just to, you know, have, you know, some conviction here and there. But I want them to have a bond with God. That way, if they're not in my house, I know they are good. And so when they have that bond, there's something about a bond that makes you do more than you normally would. Like this guy. You know how many times I wanted to kick him out and say, take him back. <laughs> you can have him. He looks great. Look how good he looks. You want him back. But you know, that bond makes me hang on. That bond makes me overlook some of those accidents. That bond makes me suffer a little bit more because, because of the bond, because, we, because of the care, right? And so I'm convinced that our relationship with God would improve so much if we just drew close to him and, and bonded with him. Sometimes I read the Bible, and I'm like, man, you know, there's some beautiful, beautiful scriptures in here, but there's also some tough ones. I don't know if you have ever come across some, some of these Bible scriptures, and sometimes I'm going, God, man, this one's a tough one. Was that, was that really necessary? You know, did you have to... You know, did you have to, you know, uh, initiate war, for example? You know, or did that person have to die on the spot? This is, this is in the Bible that we follow, that we, we believe is the word of God. And so I just have to, you know, rely on the fact that, man, God, this bond I have with you, I have to trust that you know more than me. And so when I look at, you know, my life and the things that I've been through, and I'm only here because there was no other choice for me but to draw close to God. If I wasn't close to him, I would have peeled off a long time ago. And so when I think about, like, our life situations, and I know we all have history. We all have a story. We've all been through things. But, you know, for me, I mean, it was pretty trying a lot of times. So, you know, my mom passes away one day. I get on the plane to go take care of her. Uh, and then in the same day, my youngest son, who is now driving, is diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And I have this new realization that he cannot survive without injections every single day after every meal. Uh, and then after that, um, well, actually before all of that, that was probably the biggest one because he's my son. It just has that kind of impact on you. You know, I had to deal with the loss of a brother to suicide. That is a crazy moment. Thank God I knew him. 
And thank God I was close to him. Because when I didn't understand, I could tell God, I don't get it. I don't understand, but I trust you. You know better, and I will follow you. It's because of that bond. Sometimes when things get tough, that bond is going to be the thing to bring you through. So as, as me and my wife were talking about this message yesterday, I was telling her, you know, what my message was about. So we started talking about different, you know, bonding relationships. And so, of course, she brings up the one about, uh, you know, mothers and their children. Incredible bond. Mothers get superhuman strength when their children get in danger. There's stories of, like, a kid being pinned by a car and the mom going, that's a little scary. But that bond will make you do incredible things. So she goes on and on. She goes, yeah, you know, and then there's siblings that bond. Sometimes they fight, but they bond. And then there's cousins that bond, you know. And then, you know, she's talking about family, and I'm just waiting. Like, uh-huh. I'm waiting, and she goes, you know, and then, and then she gets out of family and goes, you know, and then best friends bond. I said, wait, 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 wait. You know, there's also the bond between us. And she's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, of course. And she continued. I was like, okay, okay, just, you know, can we, like, can I get a hug or something? <laughs> you know? And so, but a bond is a deep emotional connection. And that's what a bond in the context of relationship is. It's a deep, meaningful connection that is established with resolve and with love and, and with care and conviction. And so, I do believe that this is the, the main difference between the ones who follow God through hard times and the ones who kind of know God and then hit hard times. And the next thing you know, you know, we're, we're, we're praying for them and, and hoping that they're doing well because we, we don't really see them anymore. But, you know, there's something about having a bond with someone else that really makes you overlook sometimes when bad news about them comes out. You know, sometimes the church doesn't always get the greatest rap. You know, sometimes the church doesn't look that great to the eyes of the public. I don't know if you realize this now. We are in a post-Christian society. You know, where we used to be in a Christian society where going to church was normal and worshiping God and understanding that, you know, God was, you know, at the apex of our country. And we're not there anymore, guys. And so now the, the view from the outside looking at the church is a little bit, we're at a disadvantage. And so, you know, my prayer for my boys is that they would have that bond. And so whether they get their miracle or not, they're still good. Whether their prayers are answered or not, they're still good. You know, and so I pray that for my children all the time. So let's jump back into our series. We're going to be in Romans 8, chapter 14, verse 17. We're going to read two verses back to back right out of the gate. Uh, and then we're going to turn to John chapter 16, verse 7. If you uh, follow along, uh, those are going to be your references. If not, feel free to follow me on the screen. But as we continue today on this series on the Holy Spirit, I want to talk about finding our identity in him. And sometimes we find our bond, uh, our identity by, by bonding. So if you, those of you who are in the military... You know that uh, the moment you enter and all of a sudden that culture in you starts to change, you identify with that. You know, or it could be, you know, a marriage and now you're, you're a husband or maybe you're an athlete, you know. And so and we identify with these things, but I want to encourage us that if we're going to find our identity in God, 
that we have to bond with him. And one of the ways that he intended for us to bond with him was through the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at this. Jesus left, and then he said, I have to go so that I can send him and he can help you. And so Jesus wanted to be so close to us that God sent God to us so that we can be in close fellowship with him. So Romans 8, chapter 14, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, just a little nugget. When we say Abba, Father, that is, a, that is, a, that is an intimate term. It's not like going up and saying, uh, you know, hello, Father. You know, this is, you know, Daddy. You know, like crawl up in the lap, you know, Daddy. But... When that says cry, Abba, Father, we, we look at this as if it's good. No, but this is actually, if you were to study this, this is a moment of, of fear. And they're saying, they're saying, Daddy, Dad, like I need you. And so that's what that's saying. So uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with my message, but just that's a bonus. That's for free, okay? Um, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now jump over with me to John chapter 16, verse 7. It says this, uh, and we talked about this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, say my advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I love the way Pastor Brett packaged this last week. The disciples hung out with Jesus, and he did everything. He could read people's mail prophetically. He was healing people. He was casting out demons, you know, freeing people up, you know. And so he says, I have to go. And they're going, wait a minute, you're the total package. Where are you going? We know, no, we need you. You can't leave us. You're, you're like what the, what the world needs, and so we have to understand this concept that the disciples didn't understand at the time and that there was a next chapter. And so Jesus said, if I don't go, then this plan doesn't complete. And so uh, let me jump right in. And I, my first point is this. Our identity can only be found by bonding with all three persons of the Godhead. Say all three. Whenever we talk about God, God the Father, we know God, we know God, we love him, we believe in him, we've heard about him since we were growing up, right? We talk about Jesus, we get excited about Jesus. Some of us, you know, the name Jesus kind of, you know, we kind of we start to, you know, like we tell our friends, you know, oh yeah, you know, I, I pray to God. Have you ever told your friends, I pray to Jesus? It's a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? But then... We talk about the Holy Spirit, and it's kind of like that wild card, what the Holy Spirit, it's like, a, it's like a continuing piece of the puzzle. We don't really know as much about him. We don't really embrace him as much. You notice I'm saying him because he's a person. You know, we, we uh, you know, if we, you know, if he was an it, we would manipulate it. It's a person, which means he has an agenda, and we can't manipulate him. But the Holy Spirit, this is where people 
start to let off of the accelerator a little bit. Some people just bust a Yui and get out. And two things, either, you know, two things happen when you talk about the Holy Spirit. Either you go to immediately speaking in tongues and prophecy and visions and, you know, the weird stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know, visions and, you know, words of knowledge, you know, you know that kind of stuff, the stuff you kind of read about. Right? Either that or we just check out. No, nope, it's too much to understand. You know, I don't even want to mess with it. And the Bible tells us opposite. Don't be ignorant. And so, for some reason, the Holy Spirit just doesn't receive the same welcome. And then for those of us that do welcome him, even then, we still don't really know quite how to do that. And so he's the one member of the Godhead that, again, we don't know a lot about. He kind of trips us out because of the way he operates. But, you know, as Pastor Brett said last week, you know, he's a, he's a gentleman. You know, he'll never force you to have to do anything. And a lot of people take that option. We don't have to. You're right. But I get to. And so the Holy Spirit is much more than we think. A recent Barna poll taken, I think it was taken a couple of years ago, states that 60%, this is kind of staggering, 60% of Christians who attend church, uh, evangelical Christians who attend church, 60% don't believe the Holy Spirit is God. They believe he's a symbolic force or some kind of symbolic energy, but they don't consider, they don't believe he's God. It's a little crazy because the Bible never says anything like that. Is, it, is he powerful? Yes. Is he a source of power? Absolutely. But the Holy Spirit is still a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. And here's what I want to get into. I want to show you a diagram. I got this from Pastor Michael Todd. I observed this, and I thought this was great a great way to explain this to all of you. Um, but it explains why, uh, why and how all of this is, is important to us and why we should really focus and welcome and bond with the Holy Spirit. So um, first in our main text, in Romans, we see, we don't have to go back there, but we see that all three persons of the Godhead are in that main text that we started off with. And you can go back even further to where it says, in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember, Pastor Brett talked about how, you know, uh, it, it says the, the Spirit of God was ho uh, hovering over the waters. You guys might recall that account. But then when he gets to making mankind, we see the pluralism start. And he says, for the first time, let us, meaning now there's more than one. So when he says, let us make man in our image, it was God having a meeting with God and speaking to God. And so... If you look at the top, we got all three persons of the Godhead. Now, they all have a title. We know God the Father, and we love him. Uh, and then the next one, you can go to the next slide, uh, is God the Son, named Jesus Christ. We love Jesus because he saves us. We can't go to heaven without him. And then there's God the Holy Spirit. I love what Pastor Brett said. I keep quoting him. Man, I was marinating on his message all week. It was so good. It's on our website if you missed it. It would be worth the visit. And he said, you know, the Holy Spirit is so humble. We see the Holy Spirit as this storm that just kind of takes over. No, no, he is humble. 
And he's a gentleman. He's so humble, he doesn't even have a name. He's just the Holy Spirit. There's God the Father, there's Yahweh, there's, and then you got Jesus, right? By the way, Christ is not his last name. It's not, you know, this is Jesus Christ, this is his dad, Joseph Christ, and Mary Christ. It's not like that. Christ is a title. Go to function. God the Father's function is provider. He provided the heavens and the earth. He provided the sun for the day, the moon for the night. Uh, he provides uh, a calling and a purpose for all of us. Oh, by the way, he even provides his son to save us. He's provider. Uh, Jesus is our savior. That's his, his function. And then we got the Holy Spirit who is our helper. We're going to get into this a little bit if we have time, but the word that encapsulates helper is paraclete. There is no English word that can properly uh, express what that word really means because it is so vast. Not general, it's vast. But the only way we can describe it to encapsulate all that is to have a, just a general word, a helper. Whatever you need, he will be. So that's his function. Go to status. There are scripture references for this, but we just don't have time. God's status is he is holy. That means he is set apart. That's why in our sin, we cannot come into the presence of a holy God. Because he's holy. Our sin has no place in the presence of a holy God. If you want to understand how holy he is, I, I like to tell people, who do you think the holiest person in the world is? And they'll say, oh, Mother Teresa, you know, the Pope, uh, Pastor Matt, right? And I'll say, okay, how many times do you think the Pope sins in a day? And they'll say, uh, I'll say, let's be real extreme. Let's just say he sins just once a day. I don't know about you, but I, you know, not even quadruple that. I like 10x that, 100x that. And let's just say he sins once a day. How many, how many days in a year? 365. How old is the Pope? You see what I'm saying? One sin a day equals how many sins? And as holy as we feel he is, that's how much baggage he's bringing into heaven. That's why we need a savior because we have no access to God unless we go through the son whom he sent and his status after he was um, uh, crucified, after he was buried, and after he was resurrected, he showed himself to the disciples again and he spoke to them. And the Bible tells us that after he spoke to them, he ascended into heaven and he took the right seat. Uh, he took the seat uh, seated next to the right hand of the Father. That's his status. So God is holy. He's set apart. He's always been that way. Jesus is seated. When I was a kid, it was WWF. Now it's WWE, right? My favorite, this is, now this is going to tell my age. My favorite tag team uh, team uh, in, in wrestling was, was the British Bulldogs. You remember that? Anybody remember British Bulldogs? Come on. Yeah, Davy Boy Smith, right? And so there was this, you know, in, in tag team wrestling, um, it's real, by the way. You know, I used to think it was real until uh, my grandma, she was sick. We didn't know if she was going to make it. And so my dad, we went to Chicago. 
Uh, and in the Denver airport, I saw the bad guys sitting with the good guys, like, hanging out. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, man, hit him. You know, I saw what he did to you, you know. And my dad was like, see, I told you. And after that, it just wasn't quite the same. <laughs> and so, uh, but there's, in, in tag team wrestling, it's, you know, one guy goes in and you know how they'll, like, wrap his arm and then they'll drag him over. And then they tag. And then the next guy comes in and the other guy goes out. This is what happens with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus came. He died for us. He said, my part is done. It's finished. There's nothing you and I can change about what he did. It's complete. He said, it is finished. It is done. Now, all we have to do is receive him. And when Jesus said, I must go so that he may come, he tagged. Tagged up. And the Holy Spirit came into the picture. Let's go to the last line. Okay, so Jesus is seated. The Holy Spirit is active. Are you starting to see this? This is why he's so important, yet he's the hardest one to get close to. But that's not on him. That's on us. Go to the last line. The location, God the Father is seated uh, on his throne in heaven. Jesus is seated at the right hand next to him. The Holy Spirit is still active among us today. You see what I'm saying? And so when we say the Holy Spirit, uh, I don't know, just hard to understand. I feel like we are doing him a disservice and we're doing God a disservice. And there's no way we can have intimacy with God without knowing him, the Holy Spirit, also. All right, did this help you? Okay. I thought it was great. All right, here's my next point. <laughs> I better hurry up. Uh, I only got you guys for about three more hours. Um, and that's this. Identity is received and not achieved. Identity is received and not achieved. At the heart of every follower of God should be a new identity. Back in 2002, there was a movie called The Born Identity. Anybody remember that? I think it was around 2002. I should have looked it up because, you know, Google is never wrong. In the opening scene, there's a fishing boat, and a fisherman pulls Matt Damon um, out of the water. At the time, Matt Damon still looked like a boy, in my opinion. It was weird. I couldn't really take him serious in that movie because I just thought he looked young. But uh, So he's floating. He gets pulled out. The guy nurses him back to health. He pulls. He finds that he has bullets, uh, bullet holes in his, in his back, and he, he pulls those out. He digs those bullets out. He patches the wounds. Uh, and then Matt Damon starts to heal. He starts to regain his strength. Uh, and everything heals up except for one thing, and that was his mind. See, he had amnesia. And he didn't remember who he is, why he was shot, who his friends were, who his enemies were, where he was going, what he was doing. He knew none of that. And so the rest of the movie is about Matt Damon discovering his real, true identity. And so this scene is a reminder of sometimes how we people, God's people, act within the church. And so we fish for men. We drag them up half dead. We, we pull them out of the ocean and pull them into the boat, right? And they're in the boat with us. But real discipleship is more than a rescue mission. It's not enough just to rescue somebody. How many know there's more work after that? 
How many know if you were a follower of God for some time, you realize you weren't just rescued. There's some work that happens after. When you say, Jesus, come into my heart, that's an introduction. That is a handshake. That's the beginning. Yes, it's a blessing. But it's only the beginning. And so once we're saved and healed, we have to discover who we are and why we are here so we can get on about God's business. See, we love Jesus the Savior, but we stop there. And we, we kind of hang out in that camp for a long time. But there's, a, there's another, remember there was a tag. There's a new, new, new member of the team that's here to, to help us and to walk with us. Matter of fact, he wants to be so close, he indwells in us. And so, like Matt Damon, many Christians get confused because they're using multiple fake IDs. They have one identity around maybe their career. They have another identity on the golf course, on the basketball court, on the shooting range, I don't know. Um, and they have a totally different identity at home than maybe they do inside of church. Oops. Y'all still love me, right? Some people change IDs so often that they forget who they really are. Other believers are using expired IDs. Expired IDs are who you used to be before God rescued you and, and cleaned you up and saved you. How many know what I'm talking about? Those IDs are expired. You're not to go back to them. But yet, somehow, we still have those passports hidden somewhere. Is this okay? Is it okay to come get some truth in church? This is to help us. But I'm telling you, when you bond with the Holy Spirit, it is hard for that to happen. Because when the Holy Spirit is with you and you start to go off track, he starts going, wait, 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 wait. And you're going, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I probably shouldn't do that. I probably shouldn't be here. I probably shouldn't say that. Holy Spirit. That's how close he wants to be with you. And that's why when we bond with him, we will find our identity, who we're supposed to be in God's kingdom. At the heart of every believing Christian is the Holy Spirit's transforming power. His transforming power is so powerful, that's how we get our new identities. I want you to think back to who you used to be. And I want you to look now at who God has made you. And then you just begin to thank him. Because a lot of us probably shouldn't even be here. That's how good he is. And that's how powerful and strong his, his power is. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who was in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has begun. Hold on, Siri just interrupted me. Stop, Siri. You know what's funny? We were in the car one time, and, and me and my wife were in a friendly, uh, friendly argument. You ever have those in the car? Where you're like, I don't know if this like, intensity is like, real or if we're just playing, but uh, you, know, you want to go? We can go. And so we're going back and forth, right? And so, you know, um, it was funny because, you know, that I was just upset and some, a message came through on my phone. And I just, you know, was driving. So I, I glanced at it. She was like, hey, don't, don't text while you're driving. So I looked at her and I was like, Siri, 
tell Vilma to be quiet. <laughs> Next thing you know, she says, I told Vilma to be quiet. Would you like me to send it? And I said, yes. <laughs> and so our fights are fun. But that change that the Holy Spirit brings, he does freely. And there's something about freedom in the Holy Spirit when he has free reign that will change your life for the better. It will change your life for the better. He gives you your new identity. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to achieve it. All we do is accept it. That's the power and that's the role of the Holy Spirit. Last point is this. When we find our identity, our identity comes with powerful benefits. And this is the part we forget about when we just stop at Jesus as Savior. Jesus, I, I want to go to heaven, so I want to accept you and receive you, and that's enough for us. How many here like gifts? I'm talking about gifts like Christmas, like birthday, like Father's Day coming up. Hint. Mother's Day. We like gifts. How many love unwrapping gifts? Isn't that exciting? Here's my question to you. How many gifts have you left unwrapped? Because we don't embrace the Holy Spirit. He is the giver of gifts, and he gives good ones. They are life-altering, life-changing. But when we don't go there, when we choose the Holy Spirit and we back up, we leave gifts on the table, still wrapped. And he's going, I've got so much more for you. So much more. I'm going to leave you with two verses as we transition out. And that's in, if you can throw that up, Robbie, or Chris. Our tech team is amazing. Leave it to me to have last-minute stuff to throw at them in the morning right before I preach, and they get it done. <clears throat> this is in 2 Corinthians. It says this, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given, say to each. Every single one of us to each. If you're in each, raise your hand. Now, I don't know what the rest of y'all are if you're not at each. <laughs> Just saying, you don't want to participate, Fine. <laughs> I'm not going to let you have cookies at the end. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Say common good. But oh, we don't want to have anything to do with it, but it's for the common good. Where's, where's the argument? Where's the contention? It's for the common good, and it's not just for you. Do you know these gifts are for you and for everyone else? When you embrace your gifts, you know it's a blessing to your family. When you embrace the Holy Spirit and you embrace your gifts, you know it's a blessing to your church. That's how giving the Holy Spirit is. But y'all are getting me off track. Um, verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. See, this is the part where like, uh, mm, you know what I'm saying? This stuff right here. Uh, utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. Ooh, see, there you go again, talking that prophecy stuff. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of, of tongues. <gasps> That's the one, man, that'll divide churches, won't it? Tongues. Why? The Holy Spirit is all good. Anyway, don't get me started. I'm supposed to be landing this airplane. <laughs> to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Acts 1.8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This speaks of the Holy Spirit's mission. Why all these expressions? Why all these gifts? Why should we embrace? Because we're a part of the mission that he's on. When we embrace his identity and we make it ours and we embrace his mission and we make it ours, we find who we're supposed to be in God. You know, I was about 19 years old before I found out I was musical. Never touched an instrument in my life. Doodled on the piano a little bit. You know, I learned a song. And I thought I was musical. Then I got saved. I got born again. And they needed a guitar player. And I thought, you know, I'll try. And I started kind of excelling. And I discovered, and I would have never known had I not gotten right with God. But I had to let go of some of those other identities. The movie's called Born Identity. We have a born again identity. And we still need to discover, I believe God's not done with me yet. I don't think he's done with you either. I'm excited because we're a young church. We're a growing church. What excites me the most is to see what gifts come out from you guys. It's an amazing thing. The grace of the indwelling spirit allows us to participate in and gives us power through the life that God gives us, through the Holy Spirit who is active, who is on the earth. Jesus tagged up. He said, I did my part. If Jesus were to stay, he would be limited in, in, in physical presence. He couldn't be everywhere at one time. Remember, he gave up his deity to be here. We are called by God to embrace our identity in him by receiving Jesus, by bonding with the Holy Spirit, and walking with him in power and purpose. And that power and purpose includes being a witness, remember mission, and proclaiming the good news that Jesus died for every single one of us. And he wants to give you a new start if you haven't found that yet. And he wants to give you a new life if you haven't received that yet. And he wants to give you a new purpose if you haven't discovered that yet. Can we pray? Father, we thank you today for your design and for your plan and for every aspect of who you are. Now, God, I just ask you that you help us 
to embrace who you are, to embrace what you've done, and to embrace all that you want to do in us, in our families, in our uh, other relationships, work, friendships, in our communities, in our church, in our city. But we can only do that when we find our identity that is full of so much power and purpose and gifts. And it only comes by embracing you, Holy Spirit. Now I pray that we get a brand new revelation today of who you are and what you have for us. Holy Spirit, if there are walls, you speak to us all the time, but I pray you show us what those walls are, that we can bring them down. Lord, that we can diffuse these, these um, conflicting thoughts that don't allow us to, to progress or to move forward or to kind of draw the line and say, I'm staying right here. Lord, you have so much more for us. And there's a way to do it, and it's all in your word. All we have to do is do it your way. And it starts by, number one, asking for you and accepting you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that this would be a new day and a new chapter. That as we are walking on this journey to follow you, that, Lord, we would uh, be open to you, embrace you, but that we would begin to stumble upon good things and gifts, that we would embrace all that you have for us because it will be a blessing to us. It will be a blessing to those around us. Just very quick, I always want to give opportunity. If you're here today and maybe you're not right with God, maybe you were once right with God and maybe this is all new to you you don't even know what I'm talking about but in your heart you know I, I don't know if I'm right with God and you want to make sure that you are is there anybody here I'd like to pray with you we'll pray all together as a church is there anybody here just raise your hand and let me know okay great so we're all family Lord bless your church bless your people and Father we ask you to give us all that you have for us May we not hinder you. May we not quench you. May you have free liberty in our lives and in every nation in Las Vegas. We love you and we appreciate you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.